0: Every time I sit down to do one of these intros, I ask myself so many questions. Mostly, why am I doing it? Um, Who's listening? How is the person listening going to perceive what I say? Are they going to take it as sincere? Am I being sincere? Am I acting like I know more than I do? Am I saying anything of value to anyone again why am I doing this and then there's a lot more questions that I ask myself before I even start recording why am I doing this at all the podcast in general again who's listening um, do my guests appreciate what I'm doing am I doing well What does that mean? Who is this for? Not only because I don't think many people listen, but if they do, what do they get out of it? What am I gaining? What are they gaining? What are the guests gaining, if anything? And I don't have answers to any of those questions. So this is just a constant... I I just picture there's this house... That is my my show and I open a door and I throw I throw I don't I don't really know where I'm going with this. I throw something in a in a dark room and I can't see anything in the room and I'm just throwing matches in there. Just lighting matches and throwing them in there and I never get to see what becomes of them. No one really talks to me about the podcast. No one really asks me about it. I try to share it, I try to discuss it, but I'm a very, very, very self-aware, self-critical person in every facet of my life, so this one especially, and I can't, I, I could go back to the last episode I published, and I'm sure I'll find something in what I said that I'm like, mm, I, I would have said that differently, or who was that for, Keaton? And it's so strange what I do. I I contact strangers. And that's beautiful. And that's the thing I'm most thankful for in all this is that I just get to talk to beautiful people that otherwise I, I, I never never would have run into. People from across the world. And I get to learn about their work and I get to learn about the kind of person they are. And in turn, of course, that makes me learn about myself. And I'm really appreciative of that. And I love that aspect of it. But then I take it a step further and I I record the conversations I have with strangers. And I show those conversations to other strangers. Or I guess some people I know. And that's really weird too. Because um, what do you get out of that? <laughs> and also there's a wall that's immediately up. There's so many walls that are constantly up in what I do When I talk to someone who I've never spoken to before Obviously I'm not gonna I'm gonna act a little differently than I normally would Even though I think for the most part I try to be sincere And I don't I don't try to act like I know things that I don't Because there's no value in that At all And that's the kind of interviewing that I don't like And I don't even like to call this interviewing Because I'm just having conversations I'm not really Interviewing per se But um yeah, so I'm going to act differently when I'm talking to them, and then when I do intros like these... God, if if you're listening to this, just think about how strange what I'm doing right now is. I'm sitting in my room with no one else, and I'm just talking to a microphone. And I'm pretending that that microphone is another another person that's going to hear this. And granted, I... I assume at least one other person will listen to these words right now, but for the most part, they won't (laughs) when you're considering most people, (laughs) which is interesting because then, then it goes back to me saying, well, what's, uh, what's the goal? What's the goal of this? And a lot of it is for me to learn from artists and to learn from people that are older than me and try to accrue, um, more advice on life and try to understand my place that's most of it that's the majority of it that's the reason why I started this i actually i wanted to start this um there was a guy named bob at best buy and bob was such a sweetheart and he was so nice to me and bob is what inspired me initially to start what is the west noise which is a name also that's kind of soured on me i don't know um just having a name in general is just kind of annoying that i have to do that or try to aim for any sort of markability which is fine and is how things work but i don't know i wish i wish i could just call it something else i mean i might change the name it's not like it's got a worldwide following anyways so so i met bob at best buy and he was incredibly nice and i i have this thing with strangers where i just of course i just impose on them all of these stories and feelings and i i picture them crying and I picture them with their children and their grandchildren, and I picture them with lovers, and I picture them eating a nice meal, and I picture them not thinking about work if they don't like their job, and I picture them happily vacationing, whatever it may be. Any endless number of things I picture with strangers, I I just try to add a story to them. And Bob is one of those people in particular who really struck me as having... um, a lot of potential, I guess, to do things or to live a life that would make me feel. And that's a really weird, really weird way to put that. But what I mean is I meet those people and I just want to sit down with them and just hear everything that they have to say and sit through all of the different perspectives they have and try to understand any any of the mindsets that they carry with them. And so that's how the West Noise started, essentially. It wasn't even called that, but I was just going to, I was actually going to get a, a tape recorder and just talk to everyday people like Bob. Um, so I called Best Buy and I tried talking to Bob and that was just silly of me because obviously they're not just going to give a random person the phone number, the information of whether or not someone's working. So that was just dumb. I never did get to talk to Bob, but the plan was to just record strangers and, and regular, you know, citizens or whatever, and just get their story and, and add a perspective to people who aren't Necessarily of any sort of um, n- importance, I guess, socially and culturally. Names aren't known. And then it turned into, well, it's going to be kind of hard because people are going to be kind of weirded out by that, that some 19-year-old's going around asking them to just sit down and talk. And I might still try to pursue that in some way later, but it's still kind of weird. And also the amount of time I'd want to spend with them I'd have to actually like make dates with them and that could get a little sketchy. Um, just in, not sketchy, like dangerous, but sketchy in terms of like, just kind of hard to do considering they're strangers in different places and all that. And then I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll interview um, people I, I admire that I know of. And that's how it started. And I think I'm doing pretty damn well for myself. I don't think the podcast has any sort of traction in terms of listenership or anything like that. Um, But like like I've said before, if for some reason I, me, am making an impact on anyone's life in any way, whether it's to laugh at me or to see someone shamelessly putting themselves out on the internet as we always see and feeling better about that because you're more reclusive, you know, um, that makes me happy too. And I guess what I want from this is what I get when I watch movies and listen to music and listen to other people talk is just insight. Insight into living. Insight into feeling better. Because I... It's hard to tell myself that the way that I feel isn't the way that everyone feels or is supposed to feel. That's a very natural, selfish thing, but I, I constantly have that, you know everyone has some form of it but mine's just this impending I don't want to say doom but just of of course death is all around me the idea that I'm going to die but I really don't think about that too often I think of it as like a period to the sentence that I'm in and that I'm trying to just fill that sentence with beautiful words and in actions and things like that but I really don't fear or think about death too much like I think about death a lot I guess but the fear is not really there that pit in my stomach's not really there the only time I get the pit or the fear is when I'm when I'm just like disappointed in the idea that I could just die in a stupid car accident tomorrow and just not get to do a lot of the things that I wanted to do and not get to a place of like greater peace And I feel like I'm way ahead of myself too, because like when I say something like that, like getting to a place of greater peace, like I'm 19 and I'm, I have so much more confidence to gain and so much more understanding of the world to gain. And I'm sitting here learning about all these different philosophies and, and the meaning of intrinsic value and and Zen and, and how to control your mind and things like that. And I, I feel like I'm doing a beautiful job for myself in trying to learn and trying to be a better participant but it's just so easy to get mucked up by all the bullshit of everyone's lives and I think it's I think it's strange Um, it's strange that I can constantly be aware of being afraid of wasting time and continue to do things that again evoke that fear and I'm going to school and I'm learning and that's what I should be doing And I'm gaining a lot from it, but I'm just, I'm just ready to hit the ground and start running. But then I'm like, shit, what am I going to do? I've written a book that I have a few more scenes left, but I, I switched day in and day out between people are going to think this is important and they're going to get something from it. And it's a, it's a good imprint of mental illness. And, and this 19 year olds rather insightful for someone so young. And even though it's flawed and even though it's a bit raw and gritty and not the best written that there's there's definitely something to take from this. I think that some days. And then other days I think, well, people are just going to write this off as just some some kid in philosophy class who while read some Plato and Nietzsche and and look at him, he's a, he's asking all these questions. But then it's like, well, that criticism's kind of empty. And it's it's um I'm I'm getting more peace and understanding that even if my questions have been asked before, at least I'm asking them and do you know the answer? And if you don't, then then how can you make fun of the question in the first place? Um I battle so much with wanting to say the right things and and to stop being such an asshole and to stop making so many jokes and to stop thinking at other people's expense and and submerging myself so deeply in celebrity and and silly things of that. Of the, of the like, and I think I've made a tremendous progress in terms of just not giving a shit more, like, even even Kanye, who I, I am very vocal about how I feel about his music and his, you know, impact on culture and ideas sometimes, but I just, I don't even give a shit about him anymore, like, things he does, and I don't know, like, I just don't have that, like, oh, I need to read that, oh, I need to see what what's being said, I need to check that Twitter feed, like, that's kind of gone, and I'm really happy about that. But I still scroll through Instagram and I still spend time on Reddit looking at stupid shit. And um, I don't know, sometimes it's not stupid because it's good to laugh and it's good to see memes, I guess. And it's good to see people using their minds for interesting things. And it's good to not constantly be how I am right now, just reflecting and, and wondering. And I mean, I think it's always important to reflect. But I do need to remind myself that regardless of of my ability to convince myself that I can undo everything in my life, all thoughts, and I can unravel my mind, and I can see the world for what it really is, and and uh, and tell myself that there are other dimensions of reality, and that I can be very happy if I choose. Um, which I, which that part I don't want to abandon. But even though I can say all of those things, I'm still in this life right now, and so far it's it's uh it's been that way. It, it hasn't changed my reality my my talking to people every day and my my classes and driving and my parents and my friends and my girlfriend who i i love very much all of them those things don't change so it's a constant balance of do i need to be more selfish for a moment to get that clarity, that way I can be more altruistic? Or do I just need to find this middle ground of not not giving a shit too much and not undoing everything too much, but just taking some things for how they are and then thinking deeply on them later and, and always reflecting and always being curious and never totally accepting reality for what it is because I think that's very important. Um, I was going to say something else and I kind of forgot what it was, uh, yeah, I guess, um, I just don't really know how to make peace, or find it, because the questions are always there, and I don't think I'm depressed, and I don't think that there's something wrong with me, I think it's so important to not just say things like that, like, people just say, oh, that's just your anxiety, oh, you're just, you're overthinking but how can everyone not how can you under how can you undermine the very very real intimate questions that i pose and i don't mean i like i have the questions but just anyone or or deeper thought in general i think that it's just written off a lot of time and people are like oh you just got to live in the now you just got to stop that i just don't understand it i don't understand how you can live like that it it scares me and it affects me a lot, so I just don't get how other people don't constantly have that desire to just know so much more about reality than what it is. Because like we have that ability to ask ourselves that. It's we're here for a reason, with that ability. We're very conscious. We we are the one of the we're the only species that can ask of its own existence. Like oh my god. How does that fact alone not constantly stop you in your tracks every day? And I know it's because we get into these flows of just content, contentedness, contentment, contentment. We just constantly get into these flows of just being okay, just doing my thing day in and day out. You ask the same person the same question every day. They're always going to give you the same answer. That shouldn't be. I never want to be that. I never want to do that. I always want to have a different answer every day. And I always... I always strive for that and I fall into the pattern of, hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. But when you ask someone, people, I ask people, how are they? And they'll say good. And I say, why? And I, I almost never get an answer. It's, it's always why? Yeah. Why are you good? Why did you say that? And I don't say it in like a mean way. I just say, because I really, I want you to think about it. Like, why are you good? Why do you say that? Why do you say I'm okay? Why do you say things are fine? There's a reason you're saying that. It's just your automatic answer. You're not actually thinking about what you're saying. Nothing super shitty happened to you. So I'm good. I'm okay. I'm fine. But no. And then I try to ask, well, what was the best part of your day? What made you happy today? What made you smile today? What, what were you grateful for in, in living today? And again, the answer is very rarely there. It's usually just, um, I don't know. And that's okay, and I'm not mad about it. I'm just sad that that we don't push ourselves more to do that. Um, I've been going on for about 20 minutes, so I'm going to go ahead and go into the episode. But I just, I just, I'm thankful that for whatever reason, that talking to a microphone is a place that I can get these thoughts out. Because even though I write a lot, I think it's it's really cool that even one other person could listen to this. I think it's really incredible. Um, and if you do, thank you. And please talk to me about these things. If you find any of this interesting, message me or, or get a hold of me and ask me things about it and, and give me perspective. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm flawed or perhaps cynical or why the things I say aren't correct. Just any reach out to me or agree with me or or tell me that, that you feel valid, like validated when you hear things I say, or, or anything of that, anything of that may matter. Just please contact me. If any of this resonates with you at all, I'd appreciate it. Because that, that's what the point of this whole thing is, is not for me to just talk and feel good about myself and rub my ego. That's not the point. I just want to share, because that's all anyone ever does in anything they do is they communicate and they share and at least for me I just try to feel less lonely and that's what I'm doing here. My guest today is Sandro Perry a wonderful man who I'm very glad that I got the chance to talk to after a few months of his album coming out we finally got together and I'm really happy for that. The album's called In Another Life and it talks about uh, a theoretical life where things aren't so bad and it's very detailed and the lyricism is is beautiful and I hope you listen to it because it uh, it reflects a lot of what I'm saying I think in terms of just um I didn't really touch on it but I guess just the past present and future and how we're always living in the past or the future and not really the present and that maybe hoping is hoping too much is dangerous and that it's really important to just take exactly right now for what it is because this is the only p.m. on December 15th of 2018 that will ever exist, ever, right now, this exact moment, and it's gone just like that. that's, That's really, really magical to think about, that these moments, even though we have applied time to them, that they are there, and this is happening, and this is now, and there's no point in not, there's no point in not trying to discover more about that. I hope you get something from this conversation. Here's me and Sandro Perry. So, in another life, very full album. Lots of uh, lots of stuff to talk about on there. <laughs> you want to just. Where do you want to start? <laughs> Just tell me a little bit about uh, it.
1: Geez, I don't know. Um, I, I I'll, I'll let you take the lead if that's okay.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Um, um yeah. Tell me how you came to make it in general, because it's been it's it's been a while since you came out with a solo record. So what what gave you like the drive to make another one? I guess. Um,
1: I would say that. Um, I'm always working on stuff, and (laughs) um, it sort of presents itself to me as album material at some point in the process. Um, So I don't usually... Like, when I'm working on something, I don't usually um, start off with the specific um, aim to turn that into an album. It's Mm -hmm. more just... You know what I mean? As, yeah. as things develop, then the the album idea will kind of reveal itself to me, um, and then I'll kind of pursue that. So I I guess that happened with this material not too long ago, actually. Maybe only about. Um, only about a year ago, maybe mm. uh, even though there was seven years now since my last record, mm-hmm. um, I was doing other things um, both for other artists, like doing production and mixing work for other artists, and then there was also this off world project that um, yeah, yeah, that I've been working on, which is sort of like a multi branch. Collaborative thing with a bunch of different musicians, um, and I was sort of like the groundskeeper for that project. So uh, there was a lot of a lot of uh, stuff to kind of wrangle into into two separate recordings and do mixing and stuff. So I guess seven years goes pretty fast, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and um, so this last record just yeah sort of revealed itself me I guess in the last year and I finished it pretty quickly actually. Um from like for my standard it mm-hmm. usually takes me a bit longer. But um so yeah, so that's is that an answer to the question? I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah it is. Okay.
0: Um okay. where did at least
1: an int- a, a surface uh, answer anyway,
0: the first stage or whatever. <laughs> Where did you begin writing it? Like, did the title track come first, and the the title of the album came to you, or did you just do you start with writing, or do you start with sound? Um.
1: So for the title track, yeah, that's the one that um, was written maybe about a year ago. Uh, when did Leonard Cohen die? That was was that last year, or was that I was think a little bit?
0: I want to say it was like early last year. Or maybe yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I think it was early last year. Early last year, okay. So it was written
2: that week. I remember that. Oh wow. Um,
1: And it was written very fast. The song itself was written very fast, and then um, it's sort of the typical process for me is to write a song and then uh, take it through different iterations with my band. Like we'll perform it live, and I'll kind of get a sense of how it goes or how it can go okay. or how it should, shouldn't go. Um, so that happened for a few months and then I guess I started um, I recorded a couple different versions of it last summer and, um, and then in that process realized that um, just kind of discovered what I wanted to do with it which was the more uh, even more drawn out uh, kind of version of it and using sequencers and stuff um so the, so it started yeah i mean it started really with the song just the basic kind of uh the the four line mm-hmm. you know what the stanza or whatever yeah. uh written very quickly and then and then went through different permutations of of uh, instrumentation and stuff um so that's for the side one in another life
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and then the other song Everybody's Paris, that actually my um template version of the song, like the first of the three versions that was written maybe i wanna say in the last ten years some
2: some time. Oh, wow.
1: like uh yeah quite quite a while ago. And it was a song that was just kind of sitting around. Um, I didn't really do anything with it, never performed it live or anything, and uh, didn't really take it too seriously. But um, around the time that I wrote it, I was also fantasizing about this idea of writing music that could be... um, that could be like kind of like an empty canister, like writing a song or writing a, a, a bunch of songs that could be like empty vessels for uh, other
0: songwriters to put their own: yeah kind of I was in. I was very interested in that. like th- did you write most of it, and then you wanted other people to sing on it, or did you have them work off of what you had written?
1: Yeah, so I wrote the template, like kind of that first version, and then I asked I asked Dan, Behar, and André Etier to, um, like I, t- I said, okay, there's this song that I wrote. It's called Everybody's Paris, and uh, the idea is for you guys to each write a song of your own mm-hmm. with that title, um, but sort of following this very basic... Format, which was everybody's blank, everybody's blank, everybody's blank, everybody's mm-hmm. blank, and then it was like okay, so eight lines of that, and then um, and then there's this break section, which can be like a reflection on on that the other part of the song, or, mm-hmm. or, a, or a diversion or whatever, you know, basically A-B a, a, b section, right, uh, or a b section to the a section. So uh, it was a very is quite a specific thing that I asked them to do but completely <laughs> open ended in terms of uh, how they filled those blank spaces.
0: It still flows together um, very very nicely. It's that's interesting. Great. Yeah,
1: thanks. Yeah. That's great to hear. I mean, it's sort of um it's I guess it's a very simple concept. Yeah. Um yeah, but when I was Thinking about it, you know, what sometime in the last ten years I can't remember exactly when it happened, but I I was sort of having this fantasy about that kind of songwriting, and I couldn't. I was hard for me to locate uh, examples of that kind of songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, like I couldn't really think of like that kind of fill in the blank sort of songwriting where you hear different versions of. Yeah, it's really what, unique. That, what, what is essentially the same song, uh, but different different content. Like, the, I guess there are versions of that maybe in children's music. Um, yeah. Uh, actually, a friend, a friend of mine said, "Oh yeah, it's like that the diarrhea song." You know, <laughs> like, you know, like you probably. You know the song I'm talking about, I don't
0: know the song you're talking so about. <laughs> like, when,
1: like when you're walking down the street, and you're da-da-da-da-da, you look like... Oh, like, yeah, okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's, um, I feel like the, the, the subject matter is a bit different, but... Yeah,
1: it's like, yeah,
2: yeah, the subject matter is very really
1: different, but the, for, the format, you know, <laughs> you know is, uh, <laughs> is, is basically... Different. Yeah, I get that. Um, and... That was kind of the only example, and then the only other thing that was sort of similar to me was where in rap music, the different like several MCs you will know, um, will take verses, and the verses are probably are sort of kind of all related to the central theme of the track, whether whether it's kind of like. Uh, related to the sample at like the main hook, yeah, the sample or whatever, or the title of the track, you know, and they're all sort of like lifting on this
0: on the idea. Uh, yeah, another uh, interesting yeah. thing with rap that's kind of similar to that is when someone will take like an exact line from an old rapper as like an homage, kind of. Like, uh-huh. um, one of the only things that can come to mind right now is uh, Kanye West on the song Otis with Jay Z. He says. I made Jesus walks. I'm never going to fail. And then chance the rapper says, I met Kanye West. I'm never going to fail. And it's like a really interesting, that's a really weird meta sort of songwriting. I always enjoy it though. And then like Kendrick Lamar will do it a couple times with some older songs. And I think that's really weird, but it's, it's like respectful. It's not even like stealing. Like you're very obviously taking that on purpose. And I just think that's really cool. And it's different than just sampling, you know, but it's really cool.
1: Yeah like it a lot, too. And actually, I mean, there is a precedent, which is jazz, you know, just kind of yeah. variation, taking a melody and, and, you know, inverting it or whatever, and, and and or quoting another song in, you know, within a song. Um, so it's a certainly a practice that's all over music, but for some reason, in songwriting, like in a folk kind of or whatever, this Whatever area I'm writing <laughs> songs in, um, I you know it, it it just felt like a different thing to do and, and it yeah was exciting so it definitely uh, is and, yeah well thanks and <laughs> and Dan and Andre are both um, uh, great songwriters in my uh, opinion and, and I knew that they would both be <clears throat> kind of like uh up for the challenge and excited by it and uh they both took it and made it their own made the song completely their own yeah
0: so let's go back to another life for a minute Uh what is there's there's so much to unpack from it not only because of its length but it's it's very beautifully written i just want to say and i i don't even know where to begin with it because like Is you say in another life? Tell me, start there. Tell me what those words mean. Where does that begin with the song? What is another life that the song's putting you into?
1: Um, well, um, uh, at the risk of, I don't want to be cagey about it. Um, and I also don't, I also don't want to, um, uh pin it down um because i the, i guess the starting point for me is that um it's it, those that phrase um has the whiff of um the suggestion of imagination like uh the way that imagination is you know, we use it to kind of uh, take us somewhere else. You know, mm-hmm. uh, take us out, out of the out of the current state that we're in, um, and to go somewhere else. And and you know, to imagine other possibilities. I guess. Um, you know, whatever context context that may be, whether it's um, in the in the context of cre- creativity, like that. You know, that people. Um, engage in creativity, you know, artists or whatever you want to call them,
2: but mm-hmm.
1: they do things in order to escape, um, the, the more, uh, temporal reality or what, you know, what they're currently in or whether it's kind of, uh, taken, you know, or it's, whether it's in a different context, which is just daily life related fantasy. Like, you yeah. know, if you're, you know, you're, People fantasize about things all the time, right? And 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 a lot of things that people uh, consume and do are are quite reliant on fantasy itself uh, and having a fantasy life, having an you know, exercising your imagination. Um, so I guess that's the starting point, um, and I think it's a pretty I think it's a thing that we that you know everybody, uh, every conscious being, I guess, can relate to the idea of of the imagination. Um, So it seemed like a wide, a wide, a wide enough uh, kind of wide open enough terrain to explore in a song. Yeah. the term itself, uh, uh, I guess, it's just one of those things that it popped into my head. Like I, uh, and I think that that's how most writing happens. I guess. I mean, not to state the obvious, but it just <laughs> yeah, it just sort of popped in my head. I'm not sure that I hadn't. I don't know that I had heard the, the term specifically before in a song or not. Um, I'm sure it pops up in places, but um, so yeah, so that that happened, and then it and it sort of happened in tandem with the melodic writing that I was doing, like i was just playing some you know those three chords over and over, Mm -hmm. and um, dropping that phrase at the end of the of the progression, and it, it, uh, happened actually very quickly, um, and declared itself very, very much, uh, without my, without much work on my end, like, I didn't have to really, um, I didn't have to wrestle it into the, into the chord progression or into the melodic, um, uh, template of the song you know it just kind of fell yeah. out and now I discovered it and thought oh okay here we are uh, so and you know and now it's just a matter of like again filling in the blanks essentially filling in uh the you know verse verse after verse after verse
0: so it feels less like actually pining for a better or different existence than just mostly focusing on like imagination Um, or is there is there more of a longing in it than i'm realizing
1: uh, i mean i i think both and either like either both uh, and then maybe even neither if someone else if someone (laughs) wants to uh (laughs)
2: wants
1: to offer up another interpretation you know i think that um again, like, uh, imagination can be part of a process of longing or it can be part of a process of just kind of, um, uh, exercise, uh, you know, mental exercise, you know, or an emotional exercise. And, uh, and I, and I, I hope that it's a kind of song that doesn't, uh, prescribe which one of those (laughs) it should be, you know, uh, or, or, or in it, and that it doesn't exclude any other kind of interpretation.
0: Yeah. So in your personal feelings, in the actual content of the song, it's this, it's this weird area where I'm curious if you think some of the things you say, like, um, no intelligent testing class and... Um. Other things like uh, about the animals, like the animal of engineered worth, and not imprisoned by the word "free," things like that. Like, are these very abstract things that just that apply to a lot to you? Like we were saying, or are there are there specific things in your mind that you think can be changed, or like I said, is it just like wishful thinking? You know, like I'm I'm trying to break them down because there's so much that could be applied to a lot. And there's a lot of things that many people could argue like aren't feasible or they're solely imaginative. So I'm curious if, you, if you're aiming to blur the line there or if there's something within those words, it could be any of them, that like there was something specifically on your mind that you're tired of seeing or you think of too much.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
0: Feel free to think about uh, that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I think... Um, there, there is that in it, for sure. There is, there is uh, an attempt to kind of um, make a list of things that seem like they're on the line between feasible um, endeavors and impossible wishes, or, you know, impossibly wishful thinking. Mm -hmm. And that there's that space between, you know, reason and logic and, and then again, sort of, you know, fantasy or, um, uh, hope, you know, hopefulness or, or, you know, blind faith or whatever, like any kind of variation on that idea of something not being possible, but still being, um, Still being worthy of consideration.
0: So like a structure of, to aim ourselves after at least. Like an aim in the right direction, perhaps.
1: Y- y- yeah, or yeah, an, 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 an aim, like um, a suggestion of something to consider or ruminate on. You know, regardless of whether it's possible or not, just because of the just because the very act of ruminating on it can take you into different places in your mind, possibly you know yeah. again not 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 to suggest that um the song or the words have to do that, otherwise they've failed, but more more just to answer your question in general about um where the uh where the impulse to write
2: mm-hmm.
1: those words comes from is to kind of uh sit in that in that space between those two ideas between what's possible and what, what might seem possible and what might seem impossible because I think that that's a very fruit uh fertile place to sit yeah. um it's a way for the mind to uh it's mat- it can be material for the mind to stay active and not be concerned with um a solution or a goal it's not it's not as it can turn into a goal oriented process, but it's it it also can serve as um, you know uh a type of wandering. Which um, you know, when you remove the goal, or you you remove this idea that okay, we have here's a problem, we have to solve this problem. When you sort of remove that part of the equation, then you free the mind up to do its own mysterious things. You know, and and sometimes you you come across uh, you come to. you, you know, you, you find different pathways because you allowed yourself to wander in that state.
2: Does yeah. that make sense? That, yeah, actually, it does.
1: I shouldn't ask if that makes sense because that, <laughs> that's, not, that's not even really what the what the, what the uh, impulse is. It's more it's more just to kind of find a state of mind that is is you know is less concerned with uh declarations and solutions and and uh instead concerns itself with a, a, a type of play like a type of mental play or emotional play absolutely um, yeah
0: that's that's beautiful
1: which I think is where a lot of things happen actually a lot of valuable uh, beautiful things happen in the mind when you and put yourself in that zone or yeah. you know or 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 put put aside the idea of having to come up with a solution you know and 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 i think that um i think that the music in that song the way the way that the music uh, is supporting the lyric i hope that it also conveys that idea of not having to come a solution, but um, being content to just sort of, um, it, in a way, I mean, treading water sounds it's pejorative, it kind of sounds like you're not going anywhere, but that's the, that's the thing that's coming to my mind right now, yeah. kind of treading water in, in a state, um, and, and just kind of watching what happens to your mind when you're in that state.
0: I feel like maybe there's a bad rap for that line of thinking because it seems that, like, institutionally, like, daydreaming or looking out the window, you know what I mean? Like, those are looked on as perhaps lazy things or more wasteful of your time. Like, humans are so obsessed with doing, 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 making declarations, making laws, you know buying things like doing concrete things and I yeah, think there needs true. to be a balance like it, it sounds so simple and like duh but like people really just don't <laughs> think sometimes and I think I think there's a level of thinking that a lot of people operate on that's very very tun- like tunnel vision I guess like the ne- uh-huh. the next thing the next thing the next thing and that uh-huh. seems like such a I don't want to say tragedy. It's it seems like it's just sad, it saddens me, I guess, because you can think so much more, and I feel like if you do what you're saying, the song can help one do, or or not necessarily insinuate, but give the effect of doing, is if you just sit and think more, like the things you do that are narrow-minded or or more concrete will be better because of that, or you'll feel better about them because of that. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just think there's a balance that needs to be met between literally just letting your mind go and then staying grounded somewhat. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um I agree that um that these kinds of things aren't encouraged in and you know, whether it's on the institutional level or if it's um, if it's more ingrained in how um, you know in this part of the world we you know children are raised or how you know I mean I guess it's all it's all related it's all mm-hmm. a, a kind of a system that we've come to know very well and um, I agree that it's it It certainly puts a lot of pressure on people to produce and to be, you know, to be um, productive in a a sort of a more uh, material sense.
0: Yeah, especially here in America where I'm at. I'm in Michigan, by the way. Um, Oh, you're in Michigan, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just here in America, like, it, it goes without saying that to be successful or to be happy, we constantly feel like... I mean, I'm definitely a slave to this you just the word you use is exactly right productive like everyday has to be full of doing something there's always a list of things that's longer than what you can actually do and if you don't even if you don't even go at it then you're not <laughs> doing anything and that's just weird i don't know it's just weird because like at the end of the day all these things that we can do and all these jobs and things that we can buy like that all spawn from our being able to think on very complex levels and setting up these systems, and setting up currency, and traveling, and creating cars, and just all the things that we do, I feel like we take for granted that those things started with complex thought, and they're, it, yeah. com- complex thought is kind of forgotten in the mix of things, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah, com- yeah, complex, yeah, complex, and then the other end of the spectrum being simplicity, uh, or, you know, something that... That could be called simplicity, where you're, you're maybe um, uh, not restricting, but um, removing certain distractions from
2: mm-hmm.
1: your, from you know from your from your field of view and limiting, I guess, limiting what what it is that you're yeah. um, focusing on and kind of zooming in. I like the idea of zooming in to things that look um meaningless and like a waste of time and you know kind of work with things that are small and you know maybe uh you know seem insignificant I like I like the idea of, uh kind of you know taking t- t- a closer look at those things and not, not um um not just brushing inside, you know. And I, I mean, I guess I'm, I, I should stick to um, how this relates to music, because that's the only thing that I'm really remotely qualified to talk about. <laughs> um, you know, because I, I certainly would have a hard time relating any of these ideas to actual um, uh. Sociolo- and to, to applying it to the socio- sociological realm or to the political realm or yeah. anything. Even though I think all of these things are related because systems are systems, and you know concepts can be applied across across different systems. But uh, for me, you know, like um, the, that song, for example, to get specific, there's a lot of um, very small kind of Potentially seemingly uh, meaningless things happening, They're very you know, on a very small, almost a microscopic level, um, where you know, if you listen to the song, it can sound like nothing's changing for 24 minutes or whatever it is, you know. Um, and there was um, there was definitely a uh, concerted effort on my part and an, an attempt to. Um, avoid the temptation or the seduction of changing things too much Um, because like restricting those uh, too many changes from happening I thought would put the ear of the listener in a certain kind of state which was to be um, to become more interested in focusing on those small almost imperceptible changes Um, and that's something that, um, also is not encouraged in a lot of, uh, like in a lot of music, like a lot of music is there, you feel this pressure, um, or you sense that there's this, there's this, uh, pressure to constantly keep things interesting and keep things changing dynamic and you know to always be surprising the listener and i think that that can happen on the almost microscopic level as well it's just that you have to sort of prime the ear of the listener to Mm -hmm. um to, to pick that up you know um and and i think that that relates to what we're talking about which is to just encourage that sort of um that that mental state, you know, where yeah. you've, 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 quiet, you've sort of quieted yourself down, and then all of a sudden, all of these things that you didn't perceive before because your your mind was too active or you were, you know, there were um, there were so many distractions. All of a sudden, there's this rich world.
0: That yeah, I'm that. I'm so happy that we're talking now because. Like, with your song, it even if you don't pay attention to the lyrics, the length of it and the repetition of it forces you to, like, get in that mindset. Like, if you really sit down and think of it and you're patient enough, like, you will start to think about things, you know? Even if you don't listen to your lyrics. And I'm so happy because just this past month, I've started listening to Brian Eno a lot. Like, while I study and while I write and while I um design or whatever it may be and i've never been one for ambient music like sometimes i like it just to have on but it it never feels like anything to me it never like sticks out and with his albums um i've been listening to ambient one music for airports discrete music and then music for films like those three in particular on repeat and they're so simple but they do exactly what you're saying. Like they they put you in this headspace that no other music can. And it's really special that I can do it while I'm doing other work because, you know, humans can't multitask or whatever, but like there's something so beautiful about monotonous simple music. And it just gets so it gets so attention grabby nowadays with some songs. That it just they're two minutes long and it's a the same six words you know and it's it's weird which there's yeah. there's definitely space for that but like i said like those longer pieces that don't even feel like music they just kind of begin to sit with you and they they kind of mold your thought and they feel like they're a part of they they feel like if you could hear thought purely that's what it would sound like that kind of music and i think it's a really special place for that
1: yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's one of the many, many gifts that, um, music can offer us, I think, you know, is to, that's what one, one, you know, one example of something that of the generosity of music is to create a space to enter into, um, and to not have it be, um, a, a space that, um. That is being dictated to you, but it's rather, you know, more of an empty space for you to sit inside and to fill with whatever you want. Um, you know, not like you said, not all music does that, but um, some music certainly does do that, which is quite, quite lovely, you know. And 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 um, uh, and I suppose you know, going through different phases of life, like, it's not for everybody. You know, it's certainly, yeah. it's, it's its probably a thing that um, used to be more for people who were maybe approaching the middle portion of their lives or coming close coming close to the beginning of the middle portions of their lives because the, the, um, the stimulation of youthful, Experiences was was starting to um, was starting to fizzle a little bit, or was starting to become uh, um, tiring, or something. You know, there's a there's there's always that swing of the pendulum. Right? You know, you've had too much of one thing, and you kind yeah. of want the extreme at the other end. Yeah. Um, and but I think that that's happening with younger people because. There's just a constant barrage of stimulation mm-hmm. happening at all times, with, you know, with 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 everybody. But I mean, I guess kids are are maybe burning out more, <laughs> you know, sooner or or starting to feel overwhelmed sooner. And it's a strange thing that ambient music in the last. I don't know, five or ten years seems to
0: have, there seems to have been a bit of a resurgent interest in it. Yeah, there's but a lot of know. new ambient music coming out and it's so weird because you think has it been done? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Me, um I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm nineteen, so mm-hmm. okay. like mm-hmm. I feel I'm in a very <laughs> I'm in that weird kind of place. And um I don't know. I, I, I definitely subscribe to that idea that it I'm just oversaturated. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. everything is just so loud and colorful. Mm-hmm. And I've been yeah. leaning more and more towards more quiet, more calm things.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, th- we... Well, you know? I don't know. Sorry,
1: go on. I didn't mean to. I don't,
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking, um... <laughs> I feel like... The perception right now in my in my age and so on is that to be happier and stuff you need to have more things, you need to be more distracted, I guess. Like I don't see any emphasis on sitting down and not thinking or sitting down and or sitting down and thinking. You know, like there's no call for peace or blankness because it's just new movie, new music, new clothes new i don't know i sound like i sound like whatever like screw the system but (laughs) i don't know it's just something i gotta think about i gotta be aware of it when i'm consuming especially in my weird because i'm in that weird age group that's like not really in a generation it's like right between two and i'm just observing both sides like those who are growing up entirely like with an ipad in hand and then seeing those that are just, like, above me that are still aware of, that it can still be critical of, like, people who think social media is, like, peak human, I guess. I don't know. That's a lot, but.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 I know you're unpacking a lot. There's a lot to talk about there for sure. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, well, it's refreshing to hear you say these things. As a 19-year-old... I didn't know you were 19 years old. I would have thought you were older,
0: actually. <laughs> I'm, uh, thank you for that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, you know, um... I mean, every generation has their, has their own challenges to deal with, for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: um... Every generation is also susceptible to, um... Being sold things that they, you know, that they that they have to watch out for. You know, who's trying to sell them what? You know, what's being sold and who's who's doing it and how it's being done. And um, I think it's you know one of the hardest things to sell is emptiness. Like right? you can't. I mean, the closest thing I can think of is the yoga <laughs> kind of craze that's. Sweet yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but even within that, there are things that you know. There are things that can be sold. Um, uh, you know, and I and I think that the sort of stuff that we're talking about is 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 not about an experience. You can you know you don't need to purchase it. It's more mm-hmm. about removing removing that desire even just temporarily you know because everything else is triggering your desire everything else around us is constantly constantly trying to activate desire so that it can be um so that it can be uh coupled with some sort of purchase or consumption Um, and at this point
0: we're like like the product has very much so become us like we yeah. like we have to sell ourselves to our friends we have to wear sellable clothing we have to make our profiles look pretty and want to be looked at like essentially we're grooming ourselves to be a product and like that's especially true with you know Facebook and social media literally using our data like actually using us as means of profit which is just a really different weird thing but but like we're we're i don't know it's taking the human away it's just it's kind of scary
1: yeah it's it's redefining it's definitely redefining what what um the human experience is what's possible in it and what's what um You know what the dynamic range of it is, and um, a lot of people, a lot of people would say it's not a good thing, (laughs) or that it's, you know, that it's there's a there's a lot of danger in it, and you know, again, not to not to not to say any to you know to make any to land on any judgment, but. Every again, every generation has its own challenges. to deal yeah. with. Like my generation, it was television. You know, it was kind yeah. of like that was the that was the evil um, <laughs> thing to watch out for, and you know, the thing that wrought your brain. Um, and it did rot a lot of us. Our- <laughs> so, um, and now there's a super charged version of it, which is you know like the television. Um, the binge-watching, you know, uh, it's like, it's like, it's like a hyper-addictive version. It's the coked-up version of television now, and (sighs) and it's, uh, really, I mean, I feel, I feel for, you know, people who get sucked into it, because, um, it's, you know, our capacity to resist is only so, so strong. I know um a capacity to deny ourselves that kind of dopamine um rush at our know, fingertips every second at our fingertips yeah like it's only we only have so much strength and so i guess i value the things that don't trade in instant gratification yeah because it feels like a way to exercise that part of our brains that is getting smaller and smaller and
2: smaller, you know, yeah. the, the ability
1: to resist, the ability to delay
0: gratification or whatever. And, Everything um, is so, like, meta now, I feel like. Like, <laughs> I don't know if this happened, I, I haven't really thought about if this just can be compared to the saying that someone's like, well, every generation thinks that their thing is the problem, you know, and then it gets better, or then technology moves on, but, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> things seem pretty like saturated at this point and everything's so meta because it's just like you can't even point to a problem now now the problem is like consumption in general of tv of music of movies of everything and that's not even concerning like the government or anything like that it's i don't know everything's just like kind of folded over on itself in a really weird way and like i don't know and like memes nowadays are just like they're incredible. They are seriously the most fascinating thing. Like some of them are so self-aware and ironic. It's just I don't know. I just
1: yeah. Memes, memes are a whole new whole new a whole new, um, a whole new uh, uh, world of creative
0: um, expression. It's it's insane, and they're so yeah. like under analyzed and underrated because of they're just for a laugh but like you can't go anywhere without seeing one and they're an entirely new language like it's it's crazy i'm I'm fascinated by them and some of the ones that come out of each other like it's just people are so smart (laughs) and they're using it to do that (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah
1: yeah, it is. It is fascinating. I agree. Hey, Keaton, would you mind if we just if I just took a bathroom break?
0: You're fine. Absolutely.
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> let, let me just take a bathroom break, okay? Sorry. Yeah, no just problem.
0: A okay, <laughs> hey there. Sorry, to, sorry, sorry to keep you waiting. You are totally okay.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, we cool. can about wrap it up if you want. <laughs> that was a really good um, chat. Yeah. So. It's up to you. Yeah, oh, actually, um, one more question. What? Mm-hmm. Tell me about the album cover. It's very interesting.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, the album cover. Um, yes.
2: Okay,
1: I think there's a few things I can say about it. Um, <laughs> there was, um, okay, the first thing I guess is that the um, thing. Uh, It it sort of um, happened quite organically in that um, I thought, oh, I'd like to have a a room, like a picture of a room, the inside of a room on the cover. Okay. Um, I wanted it to be kind of um, comfortable looking, like uh, sort of domestic. I guess, something like maybe the inside of a house. At first, it was going to be the inside of a house, but uh, it eventually became this thing, which is more like an art gallery, I guess. Um, at least that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, okay, there's this corner of the room, so you know you're inside of... There's an interior there. And then the thing on the wall um, was... It, was kind of just like a one like when you put your your uh, mouse down and you just draw in one continuous line you know you draw a shape
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I wanted it to be that kind of like an not like, not an improvisation but um, a one one line uh, you know a shape that like one continuous line that then Closed in on itself uh, in the way that I guess um, I forget the name of the style, but it's Japanese calligraphy where it's important to just make one movement on the canvas and then that's your. Hmm, that's I've your never heard thing. of that. Yeah, it's a style which has to do with um, being being you know being in the moment and being, you know I guess you know you just you just get one shot kind of. To, <laughs> Make that to make that movement. Um, so I liked that idea because I liked that it that it it, it is uh, not overtly, but maybe or, or more obliquely referencing that sort of um, being in, being in the presence, you know, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: for me. And then um, it struck me as uh, a way to open up. The door into thinking about um, how, when you're in an art gallery or something, you're looking at something that you don't understand that mm-hmm. is abstracted and you may not understand it, and it may seem like even like absurd or ridiculous or like, what is this thing on the wall mm-hmm. I'm looking at? It just looks like a blob. Um, art subjective. You know, like yeah, like it's this is just a big formless blob. Like, what the hell is this? Why is this on the wall? You know. Um, and I, I like the idea of suggesting that state of mind again, like where you're you're confronted with something that maybe is not is not ticking all the boxes for you, or it's not tickling your uh, aesthetic kind of <laughs> requirements. You know, uh, it certainly doesn't look cool. <laughs> um it you know it doesn't look there's nothing sexy about it like it's probably the unsexiest blob you know i love um. it it's a great blob <laughs> Thank <you. laughs> thanks i like it too actually um and i like what it does to, like i like how it feels it feels also sort of like you know the uh, there's a childlike um naive quality to it or an innocence that I I appreciate and that I'm always um, uh, drawn to things with that quality, you know, Um, but it was important too that it was framed in a way, like the the fact that it's on the wall of of what, you know, what the viewer would probably come to assume as an art gallery because of the little tag Mm -hmm. underneath it, you know um it's framed in a way that is it does that thing where you're like oh this must be more important than (laughs) or something because it's on the wall in this gallery so now now i have to interface with it in a different way you know i can't just say this is just meaningless blob there must be something um so kind of wow what an answer i guess for me it sets up that kind of that chain of um that chain of events in thinking about it, um, and then on the on the back, um, it it reveals itself to be cut out like there's like a cutout.
0: Yeah, in the vinyl too. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, that's right on the vinyl. Well, on the on the CD too, like yeah, the yeah. back cover. There's mm-hmm. right, and then it's the blue suggests you know an open an openness like the sky you know the, I mean I guess it does suggest the sky is is out there you know um, you're looking through this blob which becomes a portal to um
0: Damn, that is a great yeah. album cover wow
1: well, <laughs> that's well, a, that's I'm just awesome to, I'm, I'm glad you like it I'm glad to and I, and I was also really happy that um it was the labels idea to in the vinyl to at the inside of the jacket yeah so it's kind of like
0: yeah i need to get my hands on one that's
1: awesome yeah Yeah. so that's
0: and you you would never like know all that just by looking at it
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it's probably not yeah it's probably not obvious and and you know that's 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 just as well and i think that that's a good thing too I, i don't i don't think um you know, if, if something is too spelled out, too on the nose, then, you know, then it can be yeah, not as sure. satisfying, maybe. Um, I think there's a mysterious kind of quality to it that is either compelling or e- easily written off. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, and that's okay, yeah. too. Like I, like a friend of mine said when he first saw it, he was like, ah. Oh, Looks like a sad kind of <laughs> uh, beige pair of like a like beige khakis or something. Like it, it looks very very beige and wow. and that's you know, and that's okay too. Like that that can be a that that can be an initial impression, and if someone if you if you want to write it off, you know, immediately after seeing it, that's okay too, because people do that, <laughs> and that's cool, you know. Yeah. Um, but. Uh,
0: yeah that's what it is for me anyways that's so. awesome yeah. i'm gonna look at it oh, differently yeah, I now like it. <laughs> well. all right well thank you so much for talking
1: yeah it was a great chat with you